Only poses die, you fucking idiot! In defiance of God, I'm doing this podcast standing on my feet today. <laughs> so are you just standing at a normal desk and leaning down from your, your great height? How how dare you? <laughs> how dare you? No. I don't I would never explain. do something so <laughs> I would never do something so pedestrian. No. I am here standing in front of a a a a a, a, mod- a modification. To my desk, where I can now have a standing desk. Uh... Here's the challenge with this. I had to find a desk that was tall enough for me. <laughs> you just have one standing desk on top of another standing desk. Dude, check <laughs> Dude, check this out. So I am as as you as the as everybody knows, I'm six foot three. Monster. <laughs> yeah, a, a lumbering land monster that cannot drag his knuckles for he is too tall. <laughs> But uh, the problem is, is that this computer, it still doesn't really, uh, or the, the desk itself still doesn't really lift to the, the height that I need it to. So my one screen, because I'm looking at two screens right now, my one screen is uh, at about the five foot mark and the other one is at the six foot mark. So there's a, there's a wide discrepancy here right now. <laughs> Multiple levels. Oh, I yeah. Just, I pictured you at a normal desk and you were just... Like you couldn't even reach the keyboard as you were standing up, just hovering over it so far away. <laughs> yeah, well, it's even better. I actually had to lift my whole desk up. I had to lift my desk up so it's in my eyesight. The one hand you're holding the desk, the other you're typing with. Yeah. You've never done that? Just bashing away with your giant fist. Yeah, I type I type <laughs> they there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer gains like five hundred pounds. And he is not able to dial the phone, and the operator says, please use uh, your dialing stick because your fingers are too fat. Because <laughs> he, he dials like four numbers at a time. That's how I type my notes. It's just pounding a fist into my keyboard. Not working. <laughs> Need not big work. desk. <laughs> so, that's, so now I have a standing desk because uh, I'm an old man, and I need to be on my feet more than I am already. Well, so what I don't understand with a standing desk, it's like I understand, you know, we're not meant to be sedentary and sit and look at screens all day, even though that's like what every job that pays okay is. Uh-huh. Um, but when you stand, I mean, doesn't that hurt your back and shit? Like standing up all day is not good either. It's not good for your fucking feet. It's not good for your back. Yeah. Well, it's designed to not be comfortable at all. None of it's comfortable. So, I mean, we're all moving very quickly through the universe on this dust moat towards our uh, our, our final sleep. So, you know, a standing desk is going to maybe help me stay alive a little bit longer. Okay. I don't know. Uh, I, I don't understand. It sounds like a Monty Python sketch, the standing desk. That's what it sounds like. <laughs> Do you have a standing uh, desk? A what? Like, it just... See, I still, my favorite Monty Python is still the dead bird. Oh, yeah, Dead Parrot. That's that's a classic. <laughs> it has ceased to be. Have you ever seen Faulty Towers? I have not. John Cleese, uh, the, the very short-lived uh, British sitcom that he did that's considered one of the greatest comedy TV shows of all time. No, I've not seen that. 
Oh, dude, fault. I, dude, I have been. I, I I've always liked Faulty Towers, but I went ahead and I rewatched all twelve episodes again, and then I found out that there was an American remake starring B. Arthur. Oh. <laughs> I watched all of those, and then I found out there was a proposed American remake that starred uh, Betty White and Harvey Corman from the Carol Burnett Show, and they, well, they only did a pilot, but I watched that, too, so it's been just constant Faulty Towers and related projects. That's I didn't even know that was a thing. I know. I went down this weird rabbit hole of 70s sitcoms. That's where I'm at. That's not, that's not, where, I, that's not where I'll ever be. No, you'll be standing. And your spine telescoping under the weight of your shoulders. Yeah, or I mean, I might be, I might be taller now because my spine will elongate. And if I'm doing That's yoga, then my spine will elongate further, and I'll maybe be six foot three and a half. That's what we need. You could scare the children even more. Yeah. Well, I mean, my kids are already scared because I'm sitting in my office screaming, "Fuck him a wasp!" So bringing it back. That's it. Old episode reference. That's it. That's just it's. It happened so long ago. We have a mythology here on the show, and we refer to it whenever we can. <laughs> That's that is what we do. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Don't Want to Hear It. I'm Mikey, and I'm Shane, and he is standing. I'm so standing. We should, we should make this episode last as long as possible. Just see if your legs give out. Oh, dude. The worst part of this is I realize like. Uh, I, I've, this is the first day that I've done this, and I'm already tired from it. Like, I set it up at 5 o'clock, and it's 8.45, and this is the first time I've stood at it, and I'm already tired. And I'm also wearing Converse, which are not good for standing in place. Yeah, you can't you can't fucking get a standing desk and then basically wear napkins on your feet, because that's what they are. <laughs> well, it's a standing desk. I want, I want a standing desk and falling arches. Can you lower it and then sit down at it? Does it transform? Yeah. Oh, well, that's good. I thought I thought it was just like a big high table and this you, if you didn't like it, you're fucked. Oh, no, 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 no. I can I can lower it. As a matter of fact, I'm going to lower it right now because I'm already tired. <laughs> so you're going to sit down. <laughs> I'm going to sit down. Uh, we have an episode this week that I, I, for one, have been looking forward to for quite some time. Uh, it was it was your idea. Uh, Shane and I, which is funny because I actually listened to this band for quite a while, and I, I just never occurred to me that it would make a great deep dive topic. We're doing choking victim and leftover crack this week. <laughs> yeah, I, you know. Um, also, I'm sitting down just so you know. I was able to convert it. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> you know, I was trying to explain this band to somebody not too long ago, and I was like, you know. Like this would be fun to just to talk about because people who don't know what this band is, uh, it's a lot of fun to explain what this band is. But people who do know what this band is know that this is a good episode to do a deep dive on, or a good band to do a deep dive on because they are fucking ridiculous. Yeah, there, there's, it's, it's really two bands, but we'll get into that, and uh, it, it is ridiculous. It's just, I mean, if you can't tell by the the name Leftover Crack, you're, you're dealing with some ridiculous people here and oh. we're, we're gonna get into all of that but first let's do our normal segment the right profile right, right, right. say where did i see this guy shoot his right profile okay so my pick for this week is a band from Salt Lake City, Utah, 
by the name of Crow Killer. <laughs> uh, that sounds awesome already. They're pretty awesome. So Crow Killer, I, I recently found out about them. Uh, like I said before, and we were talking about Typecast, Vamachara, Division of Mind. There's a lot of great newer bands that have come out in like the last three or four years, and I just wish I gave a shit like I used to. Uh, because they're so much better, I feel like, than the newer bands when I was at my height of participation. It's like, yeah. oh, kid, kids like us, uh, guns up. Uh, like, these bands, there's just, like, a higher quality. It was like, I compare it to, like, okay, so I started skateboarding in the late 90s, right? Uh-huh, yeah. And most of the people around, there were some really good kids, but they were few and far between. Like, there were kids who could just, like, go nuts at the park. You know, like a kickflip, crooked grind, fucking, you know, uh, 360 flip out on a rail. There was like two or three kids in town that could do that, right? Right. But then, okay, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater came out. <laughs> and it yes. was like they didn't understand that that wasn't real life. And so kids who picked up a board after that were like already more advanced. I feel like that's the way it is with hardcore bands now. There was like some dividing line. You know, some something where the quality went up, and now a lot of these newer bands are so much fucking better than the bands that were brand new when we were really going out to shows all the time. So I feel like I've been cheated, to be honest. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, think about this. Like, think about, like, uh, if you watch basketball from, like, the 1940s to now, it's an yeah. entirely different sport. Uh, or even football, where they used to wear leather helmets. Yeah, and then everybody was just brain damaged immediately. So Crow Killer... Uh, we spoke about the Hate Thousand sound uh, last episode, which I described as basically 90s vegan hate metal from the forests of, of Belgium. Yeah. And uh, Crow Killer, even though they're from Salt Lake, they take a significant amount of inspiration from a lot of those bands, uh, like namely Liar, Congress, Length of Time. Those are the bands that usually get mentioned um, when we when you bring up Hate Thousand. Length of Time, I think, is the best one out of those three. But anyway... Now, much like these veg warrior maniacs, uh, Crow Killer's focus is on being as bludgeoning and heavy as possible. And like listening to their newest record, people, I can only imagine how violent their shows must be. Like people are probably fucking destroying each other. Uh, the sound is super hard. It's kind of evil too. It's got a very dark atmosphere. There is an occasional hint of like dark melody and atmosphere, but that gets quickly dragged to the ground and beaten. Um, they even do a couple of those '90s spoken vocal parts. You know, while there's like a, a build up and it's like, and then they throw in like. <laughs> <laughs> they throw in like a, a sound clip right before a breakdown from like a fucking political uh, speech or a horror movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's well, perfect. It, it's not cheesy. I mean, but but it, it just it's it sounds right. It is definitely anchored in the late '90s. Now their oh. debut EP, uh, it's called "Becoming an Object of Fear." That came out in 2016, but they just released their first LP, "Enslaved to No One," on March 6th of this year. And it came out on New Age, uh, which I didn't even know that was still a record label. But anyway, apparently the band was conceived after some of the members' former band. It was called Close Grip. They broke up because their singer was shot and killed. Oh. And yeah, so that that sucks. Uh, our condolences. Uh, I would say that Crow Killer, they do that 90s uh, metalcore without all the stupid singing bullshit exactly right. 
everybody should check this band out crowkillerhc.bandcamp.com and it's on the new records on spotify i don't know about the ep but yeah yeah i'm I'm into it i support that i like i like listening to mad people make music yeah i think you'll like it it's it's uh it's not knuckle dragger music it's pretty good good i don't like knuckle dragger music my pick this week bye Speaking of non-knuckle dragger music, uh, is a little band, a little three-piece that came out of the Bay Area. Uh, they have one EP out, and it's a self-titled EP, and the cover looks like old-school like thrash metal, and I'm so into it. And this band is called Charger. Have you listened to Charger yet? No, that's a sick name. Sick name, sick band. So they're out of the Bay Area, which has produced great, great bands like rancid metallica metallica Metallica. um but uh, what's great about this band is it's a three-piece and it's got members of jello biafra uh, jello biafra's current guantanamo bay something or other band i can't remember what they're all called uh but the singer and the bass player is one matt freeman from rancid yeah so they are uh like i said they're a three-piece they've got one self-titled like ep out that's awesome and it's just balls to the wall as soon as it starts playing it doesn't stop like it sounds like they snorted lemmy's ashes (laughs) now that's awesome the best part about this is that matt freeman is a singer and i love the matt freeman songs on the self-titled rancid the second self-titled rancid he sounds like louis armstrong with a fucking uh something stuck in his throat dude it's so fucking good ah gotta do perspective on you how do you better than so anyway they put out the self-titled record they put out a, a single called watch your back in november of 2019 um and so Pretty much all you can really access are eight songs of theirs. Uh, in the cover of the Watch Your Back single is the same goat, but with red eyes instead of black eyes uh, or white eyes. And uh, yeah, I just the only way I can describe them is just like fast, uh, thrashy punk that definitely sounds like they were listening to Motorhead when they were writing this music. Um, and I discovered them because Matt Freeman has recently taken to Instagram because he's isolated just like everybody else is right now. And he's going back and just playing uh, old songs of his. Like, so he's just showing people like, hey, here's how you play Bombshell. Here's how you play this, you know, this rancid song from this self-titled record. Uh, and then he was promoting Charger. And I was like, oh, that sounds like a nice band to look th- look into. And I love it. It's great. So uh, if you want to check them out, uh, they are on Bandcamp at charger-eb.bandcamp.com. Uh, or you can find them on Spotify. So that's where I found them. Yeah, I got it. The Bandcamp pulled up. I'm going to listen to this. I-, I like anything Matt Freeman does. Even... Uh... Even Devil's, Devil's Brigade. Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I never really listened to Devil's Brigade, but I, like I said, like I always liked uh, Matt Freeman's voice uh, it, to break up the kind of the craziness that is that self-titled record, that self-titled Rancid record, Rancid 2000. Like I always liked hearing his songs on there because it was a nice break from uh, Lars Fredrickson being mad and uh, Marble Mouth Tim Armstrong. Oh, and we're gonna talk about uh, at least, we're gonna talk about Tim and Lars a little bit uh, here in just a minute. So, I can't wait. Prepare yourselves. That sounds cool, man. I uh, I will definitely 100% check them out. I'm not just saying that like I sometimes do when you tell me bands to check out. <laughs> oh, cool. Um. So, yeah, you want to get into these fucking stinky shitties? Oh, <laughs> yeah, these are the stinkiest shitties.
this is our deep dive on choking victim and leftover crack. Out of the dumpster and into the grave. <laughs> Out of the dumpster and into a worse dumpster. Choking Victim, and later Leftover Crack, uh, played a unique style of punk rock that incorporated third wave ska, melodic ska, skate punk, metal, and crust, and the genre term that they and their fans coined from their mishmash of styles was called <laughs> Crack Rock Steady. Crack Rock Steady! Crack Rock Steady! Are you ready there, bro? So... Wikipedia calls them ska core, and we, we would say they're more like a punk band because the specific genre terms tend to need more explanation than just leaving it at punk. They stink, they play fast, and they yell, so punk is fine. Okay. Now, Choking Victim was a band from 1992 until 1998, which is a little bit longer than I think I thought they were around. I thought they were a lo- they were only like briefly around, but that's a long time for a band like this. I thought they were more short-lived. I didn't realize that either. Lyrically, Choking Victim and Leftover Crack and the rest of their ilk, they, they generally focused on, on being homeless, uh, covered in scabies, shoplifting, smoking crack, loving Satan, hating government, killing cops, a lot of talking about killing cops. Uh, so there's a lot within that to deal with. Yeah, and of course, I'm sure this may sound foreign to some of our listeners who, you know, aren't into punk rock at all. They just like hearing us yell at each other, but... This is a real band, and uh, most of the groups that we're going to talk about on this episode were the brainchild of singer, songwriter, guitarist, and professional edgelord Scott Sturgeon, a.k.a. The Stizza, a.k.a. Stizza Crack, a.k.a. Osama Stizladen, a.k.a. Crack Daddy Kane, a.k.a. Sturgeon F. Hipster, a.k.a. Francois Sherpatel, which... According to Wikipedia, is his birth name. But, oh, that's the, that's the worst part. I, we're going to talk a little bit more about this walking, talking, double-edged sword a little bit later. Now, when it comes to Choking Victim and Leftover Crack, what's funny to me is there has to be somebody out there who probably, who unfortunately, just through pure happenstance, you know, picked up a comp when they were like 12 or 13. They heard Choking Victim before any other punk band there has to be somebody out there that it's like a weird musical aberration just some weird freak accident they missed the ramones black flag even no <laughs> effects and they somehow wound up listening to this band screaming and when there is no hope i smoke some crack i shoot some dope it, can- <laughs> it cannot be overstated how into doing crack and heroin the guys in this in these bands are they're completely pro crack they are and they are pro being homeless so we'll get into that a little bit later um <clears throat> now this is the story of not one band but many because i keep saying choking victim and leftover crack uh it's sort of like when you see one cockroach on the wall of the filthy squat house that you're crashing at there's a <laughs> lot more you're not seeing you know what i mean yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for sure. And like, uh, and that's been my experience kind of going through this is like, there's another fucking band? 
Oh, there's so many bands that are tangentially connected to Choking Victim. And I mean, we always pick a band like that for our deep dives because there's more to talk about. But like, it's it's seriously like rats coming out of the wall with this one. Now, the story of the good, the bad, and the leftover crack really starts with a band called Choking Victim, who themselves started with a band called No Commercial Value, but we'll get to all that in a bit. What I wanted to do first, now that we've sort of set the table, what do you personally remember about your initial encounters, first time you heard Choking Victim and or Leftover Crack? Because I keep mentioning them together. They're basically the same fucking band, just separated by a couple of years. Yeah, so (laughs) uh, I think I was sitting in Chris Tharp's living room, and he was like, "You got, you got us this band. Check this out." And uh, and he played "No Gods, No Managers," and that record. the The best part is he owned that record, or he had that record, and mm-hmm. he showed me the cover. And the cover is not at all what you think this band should be. Like when you listen to them, you're like, "Okay, like they're gross. Like they sound gross." But the cover yeah, is gross. straight up black and white. There's a pentagram. There's two upside down crosses. It's like. It looks like uh, like a really good punk demo, like a good like evil fucking hardcore metal punk demo. Not the case. Not the case at all. It's an entirely different thing. So uh, that was my first experience with them. Yeah, I mean, the cover, it could, it could even look like a black metal cover. But oh, yeah. you know, w- once again, to reiterate, this band was a punk ska band. Now they didn't have any horns. They were just they were a four to five piece uh, or three. They were a three to five piece at any given time. But um, I, I, so I'll admit something. I like Leftover Crack. <laughs> yeah, they're not bad. They're not my favorite band, but I always liked them. You, you know, Choking Victim. I got into them first, obviously, because I too used to own just like Chris Tharp. I too used to own No Gods, No Managers. Now let me and, let um, me interject real quick. I still own No Gods, No Managers. Ah, see, I have. It didn't survive the purge of my twenties, so I haven't but, had a purge. So we're so I still own it. And uh, I when I was when I was ripping all my CDs so I could put them on a hard drive, I was just floored by how absurd the artwork still is like it's still like oh my god like what are they doing and it's 20 years i've had it for 20 years yeah it's it's really it's a it's a lot but while we were kind of getting ready for this episode and i was writing notes uh i went back and i listened to no gods no managers and some of those songs like 500 channels in hell infested in my grave i think they still kind of hold up oh if, yeah i if i was driving around in the car with real people i wouldn't put that on but <laughs> I do I do remember buying No Gods, No Managers from Atlantic Sounds, our local record store, you know, back when I was in like the eighth grade or the ninth grade or something with my allowance. And, you know, I had to hide the CD from my parents because <laughs> if they had seen that shit, they would have put me in fucking therapy or something. But yeah, it, it's obscene. The cover art is obscene. Yeah, it's Jesus and Mary, or no, it's Joseph and Mary looking in a manger, and there's like a cartoon of a child choking, and then it's just surrounded with skulls, pitchforks, inverted crosses, and in pentagrams. Yep, yep, yep. I mean, and and a lot of their artwork is going to be that black and white stylized version, but uh, there's always something offensive. Like Fuck World Trade has the <laughs> the, the twin towers. Oh yeah, on it. Oh. We- Scott Sturgeon really he 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 amped up the Twin Towers shit to an absurd degree immediately after 9/11. But Oh yeah, um, like pretty soon, pretty soon after. 
Oh yeah, like immediately. Now, as a fan of all waves of ska, like I like the old stuff. I like two tone. I, I like I like classic shit like the Slackers. I I liked this stuff. Uh, Infested was the first choking victim tune I ever heard. I loved it. It's super catchy. It's this weird Venn diagram where like pop and pop punk and meets crust punk just barely. Yeah. And then there's like just a sprinkling of the abrasiveness of black metal because there are metal songs where his voice is doing that fucking like mayhem like but Oh yeah. They're few and far between. And you know, our old band, I think this was after you left. <laughs> Total this was recall. definitely after I left. Yes. Total Recall, we covered Infested just to be funny. Uh, we played it wrong, but no one no one gave a shit anyway but now we talked about choking victim leftover crack is the much more polished version of that band that sound that concept i believe it or not the name notwithstanding it's the more accessible of the two (laughs) (laughs) i've always liked leftover cracks records even though it's really hard to take them seriously scott sturgeon who's the brains behind all this stuff he's a great songwriter but he would probably suck to talk i know but he would definitely suck to talk to oh 100 percent. he's he's the guy that's handing you pamphlets that are just offensive to be offensive and then being like uh like he's he's somebody who has definitely stick and poked uh all cops are bastard tattoos on friends yeah he like he is the epitome to me of when I was getting into punk rock in the sixth, seventh grade. That was the first time I heard Green Day, and then I dug a little deeper. I got into the Epitaph bands a little deeper. You know, that's just how it went for me. There were kids around me that were getting into punk at the same time who were who knew nothing about politics, and they glommed on to like the uh, you know blatantly offensive, stupid bullshit uh, political punk. Which I've, oh, yeah. I've never been a fan of most political punk because most of these people don't know what the fuck they're talking about and they refuse to admit it. Oh, and yeah. That is much the same with Leftover Crack because, like we said, their lyrics, yes, they talk about being homeless. They talk about fucking panhandling. They talk about t- smoking crack. But they're very anti-government, anti-authority. Anti-authority I can get behind, but they're like anti-government, anti-everything. Just like, and and there's no there's no real belief system behind it. Like they can't they, they can't fix what they want to burn down. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah. It, they're one hundred percent nihilist. Yeah. They're just. It's like I was friends with a kid who like he started drawing anarchy symbols on everything, and he was like. Not even just to be funny, he would try to defend his belief. And even in like sixth grade, I'm like, you're a fucking idiot, man. That makes no sense. Like he just wanted to push the envelope to push it, not even to get a point across, just to be like, yeah, 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 yeah. like that's that's Scott Sturgeon, the guy behind this music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like for sure, 100 percent. And when you look at any of their stuff, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. I have a question, and that's kind of where this episode is centered around. We, we totally wanted to go over the history and some of the stories that we know about this band because it's fun. It's funny. But also to put this question out here, this is something I've just been thinking about lately. Is it possible to like a band that you know is objectively bad? And when you disagree <laughs> with almost everything that they say, is it possible 
to still like them. So I, I've been thinking about this question since I was reading these notes. And, um, you know, I think that there's something to be said about, uh, that whole, that whole phrase or that whole idea of separating the art from the artist. And mm-hmm. in this case, the art and the artist both suck. <laughs> But the but I think about that and I was like, there are people that have done things that I wholly disagree with. And, you know, I would never like I would never walk around wearing a choking victim shirt, Um, you know, for the same reason I would never walk around wearing an R. Kelly shirt, except I would say this at the very least. These guys are committing crimes that are pretty victimless, you know, so I would say, yeah, I think it depends on what they're saying, though. Yeah. It's just it's it's weird because like I know they're they're bad, you know. Like yeah, oh, I yeah. know they're I know they're not a good like they're a good band within this microcosm. Uh, they they appeal to a someone with a certain set of sensibilities, but like objectively compared to other punk rock that's concurrent with them, I know they're bad, and I don't agree with like anything they say. But my answer to that question is, yeah, because I, I like him. I can't help it. Now, like I was saying, Scott Sturgeon, which who I will refer to as Stizza or Stizza Crack or Scotty, uh, just that that's who I'm talking about. Same guy. It's he all, most of the lyrics. Are, it's just middle school sounding idealistic nonsense. Um, it's just and, and when I hear shit about anarchy and anti everything and kill cops and burn it all down, it just to me sounds like fascism like lazy lazy fascism like everything needs to be this way because i know what's best even though i'm covered in filth and i don't have an apartment and i can't function in any type of society except one where everything is on fire but you should believe what i believe you know (laughs) it's just i never understood the this like i get that punk is anti everything and it's more visceral it's like fuck authority i get that but you can't tear everything down and not have a plan to start over. You know, just because you're all right, you know, living the life of a Tom Waits hobo inside of like an old shoe, that doesn't mean everyone else is, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, like that, that was the thing. It was like, it was always, um, you know, I, like I said, I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with this band. I mean, maybe the crack smoking is a problem. Um, but it was one of those, <laughs> it was one of those things where it's like, I never understood that punk rock that was like angry and didn't direct it anywhere. Like Strike Anywhere is a political band and they yeah. are one of the best political hardcore punk rock bands that are out there because they take that and they direct it. They they point it somewhere. They 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 take action and these guys to me are like they're saying the same thing like they're saying the the kinds of things that somebody just discovering Strike Anywhere might say in like 6th grade. But they don't do anything with it. They're just like angry and they just, like I said, they scribbled on a wall somewhere. Or they carve it into their desks. Yeah. It's like they took one political science class or something. Yeah, exactly. And they're like, and that's, I had a, an eighth grade teacher that was like that. And then it's like, he would be like, you know, that's not what Paul, actually happened with Paul Revere. There's a secret history of the United States. Like, but he does, they don't even know that much. They don't know that Paul Revere got drunk and captured three times before he announced that the British were coming. <laughs> Well, according to Scott Sturgeon himself, he said this just about his lifestyle and his beliefs. I don't give a fuck about being clean, washing my clothes, taking a bath. I don't give a fuck about 
those three things. That shit, <laughs> that shit doesn't mean anything to me. I don't give a fuck about eating out of the garbage. It's all free. I care about freedom. So Which, he's basically like uh, like a brain-damaged libertarian. I, I guess. Now, you know, aside from anti-everything, a lot of their songs are about these self-inflicted problems. You know, being a homeless crack addict comes with its share of hurdles. You know, uh, Infested, the song Infested, the first one I ever heard, is about body lice. It's about having body lice. <laughs> and you know how you get rid of body lice? Take... A fucking shower and and the other thing you know because they used to put uh they, they the chorus to one of their songs is kill cops and they used to put it on the back of their shirts and i feel like that they are appropriating the negativity of police brutality you know unfair as it is he's a white guy and if you're a young white guy you're probably your odds of of getting beat down by the cops are pretty low. I'm not saying it's right. I'm just saying comparatively to other people, the only time they're going to beat your ass is when you're screaming, kill cops. And you know, then of course they're going to fucking beat the shit out of you. I mean, go into a, a union hall and scream, fuck plumbers. And they're going to beat you with a hunk of pipe. Like that's just <laughs> how people react. You know, you're creating yeah. your own problems so you can play the card of the downtrodden. That that's the way it looks to me. Yeah, I mean, well, and and there's if you ever look at the history of the damned, uh, it's like the same thing. They're like, oh, why couldn't we make it? Like, what? Like if they would they would call this like this issue that they had the curse of the damned. But then they would get drunk and they would play shitty shows and they would like fuck up all over the place. They'd be like, oh, why didn't we make any money on this tour? And they would like break every fucking mirror they saw in the venues they would play. It's like, oh, it's not the curse of the damned. Like you're just kind of an asshole. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's that that's that's it exactly, and, and and just personally, we had a friend who used to work at uh, we'll say a Central Florida nightclub, <laughs> and leftover yeah. crack, uh, as we'll see as we get through their history. They did some touring in the, in the early 2010s, and apparently, a member of the band, I'm. I'm I'm giving you one guess as to which one it probably is. Pissed all over the little green room. Uh-huh. And our friend, we'll say we'll say friendly acquaintance, known for a long time, uh, beat the shit out of him. <laughs> so Yeah. It happens. You know, if you if you bite every hand that is trying to feed you and even the ones that aren't, you're going to get slapped. Yeah. Now, despite wanting to be pure gutter trash, Scott Sturgeon and the rest of these crackheads, they write to me, uh, this is me, undeniably catchy punk rock that has a real sense of melody, especially as you get further on into their career, the later leftover crack albums. Um, and, 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 and I hope the fact that their songs are catchy and they use multi-instrumentation and pianos and interludes at, at a certain point in their career, I hope that that is a personal hell for this guy. Like, no, <laughs> no matter what, he can't write a song that's not catchy. You bet I want to tear down the government. D A B G. No, it's too accessible. Damn these pop sensibilities. <laughs> and just so you know, that's what his fucking voice sounds like, guys, when he talks and when he sings. <laughs> that's, yeah. <laughs> 
Could you imagine that's that like <laughs> you are cursed with the knowledge of how to reform the world into a a, a a an anarchist paradise, and all you can do is write fucking Britney Spears songs. Dude, it's like he got the monkey's paw like out of a garbage can, and he's like, "I wanna be, I wanna be a, a punk rocker," and like they they made him a, a like a weird crossbreed of like a crust pop punk. <laughs> <laughs> this isn't what I wanted. This went wrong. Because I mean, if you listen to some of the octave leads and the little melodies they do, plus, like I said, there's mul- there's a lot of different instruments on some of their later records. You're like, wow. These guys fucking know their way around a song, but you know the song's about fucking picking fleas out of your ass. So I, I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> with that being said, it's probably we should probably tell a story, right? There's probably a story here worth telling, not, not just us shitting on them for the next hour. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> The story of Stinky Sturgeon. So, <laughs> oh yeah, we're gonna go. We're gonna go through the entire timeline of the scabies invested squatters, starting with the no commercial value uh, era. And really, as we cover each of these bands, uh, including the ones that are influenced by Choking Victim and or exist in a similar wheelhouse or squat house, if you will. Um, yeah. What we're really doing is telling the life story of the stinkiest boy of them all, the crackiest crack commandos, Scott Stizza Sturgeon. So. Without further ado, our first stop on our crack house tour is the early 90s where a band called No Commercial Value was happily puffing away on all the sweet tornado yam they could panhandle for. <laughs> also, I have to say real quick before we get into the rest of this, uh, uh, Mikey wrote the the notes for this. And so some of, these t- some of the things that I read are the first time that I've read them and I fucking lose it. So if I lose it, it's because I'm reading something that Mikey wrote that was really funny tornado yam man that's what they call it or i've never heard that phrase dude i looked up you you don't know how much googling i did about crack like <laughs> i looked up all the different names like i there's i learned so much about crack <laughs> dude i i'm gonna put that in your obituary go like, ahead mikey knows Mikey's a lot a about man. crack you don't know how many how much he learned about crack for a single episode of this show. All right, so let's talk about no commercial value as part of the choking victim timeline. Now, Scott Sturgeon came from an overprotective Jewish home in Manhattan where he lived with his mother and his older brother. And according to a Vice interview from 2016, Sturgeon's first encounter with his hatred of police came when the cops showed up at his apartment after his stepfather killed himself, which isn't that when you want to see the police? Like, that seems like a really helpful time for the police to be there. Uh, But the guy probably couldn't take how bad the kid smelled, and that's probably why he went and left this mortal coil. Now, later on, as he openly stated that he was inspired by Body Count's cop killer, uh, he's talked about this several times, uh, but it, it derailed Ice-T's musical career, music, yeah, musical career, and somehow led him to playing a TV cop for 20 seasons. So uh, Stizza has to be losing his shit over that. I would say so. It's like the most ironic turn and like he was inspired and, and cop killer is a stupid fucking song body count sucks but like yeah. ice t on svu is good <laughs> i don't know i listen i'm i'm fine with ice t ice t is 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 somebody who is neutral in my book but i have no problem watching him on a television show yeah he's a big gamer too like he loves first person shooters so i'm sure he's playing doom eternal he better be i i can almost guarantee that there's a tweet about it <laughs> <laughs> 
So <laughs> Sturgeon was reported reportedly a lonely kid and only really started making friends when he got into punk rock in high school. Uh, and apparently his curfew led him to run away from home and head to California to find his biological father. So began his life by of homelessness by choice, hopping trains, smoking crack, and shooting heroin, which in the same Vice interview, he said helped his social life. Now, I'm going to say this. <laughs> I'm gonna say this. That's actually that actually makes sense as far as uh, as far as like addiction goes. Totally, like absolutely, you create these social circles, but the people that are in those social circles are not great people to hang out with. So while his social life improved, everything else probably fell by the wayside, like his teeth and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, he was fucking hopping trains and shit. Like, remember when? Remember when some of our fucking friends and people we knew in different bands are like, oh, we're going to hop trains. Like, God, you're not hobos in the 20s. Like, uh, one of our I, one of our friends did that and is now a doctor. Well, you know, that the one that got away. Yeah, it wasn't me, by the way. So just so just so that's clear. So now Sturgeon's first band, No, no Commercial Value, was a precursor to the Crackskaw sound. Uh, but if we want to be thorough, things began even earlier than that. So in New York in the early 90s, concurrent with the no commercial value and later choking victim, uh, choking victim bassist Alec Bailey formed a ska band called Agent 99 with some guys uh, from two of the greatest New York City ska bands of all time, Jay Nugent, uh, guitarist of Stubborn All-Stars, and Era Babajian. Babajian. Babajian? Babajian. Babajian of the Slackers. Yeah, I would imagine based on my studies of linguistics, it would be Babajian. Oh, Sure. <laughs> they split in the mid-90s. Now, in 1990, Alec formed No Commercial Value with Sturgeon, uh, whom he had gone to school, high school with, and No Commercial Value was formed out of, quote, an intense hatred of white people and their pathetic milk-drinking, gap-wearing, REM-listening, 90210-watching culture along with a healthy disdain for authority and the wicked atrocities perpetuated by the U.S. government. Now, that is a fucking jump like going from like I'm sorry, stand is it is it stand by REM? Great song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. End of the world as we know it. I mean, you Great know, song. It's, uh, you can and you can tell that was said in the '90s, which begs the question. It's just like your beliefs have not evolved, and you're still pissed about 90210 and REM. Like, <laughs> right? Fuck off. Right. Like, okay, you can be you can. There's there's a there's a better hill to die on, not the trash hill that you found. So. Surprisingly, No Commercial Value lasted until 1993 when their vocalist, who was a female vocalist, by the way, uh, went to the West Coast, so was gone out of New York. Um, now, they didn't play much, and, they, and their only existing recording is from 91, 92, and it's entitled The Tape or Just Demo. And several mediocre ska punk songs uh, are included, seven of them on are specifically on there, uh, one of which is entitled Penis Ska. It sounds yeah, awful. It's not good. Like, it, you know, even Choking Victim can be a little difficult to listen to. I just can't take it seriously. But that is like, it's just, it's just bad. It's just not good. There's nothing. It's fun so about in it. your face. It, it sucks, man. It, it's not good. So, um, next in the timeline would be the band Choking Victim. Now, this is the first iteration of the uh, Crack Ska sound, which is different, guys. Like, I, we keep saying it. Like, you're just gonna. You gotta listen to some of these bands. Just find them. Uh, we could, we maybe could even make a crack uh, Spotify playlist. Oh yeah, I could do that. It's gonna be all these bands though. 
because despite being as anti-authority as they are, I'm sure they're on Spotify. Uh, but it is a very specific sound. Like we said, no horns. It's mostly punk with just some little like chicken, chicken, like ska parts. So anyway, we're calling it crack ska because it's different than like real big fish. It's different than the slackers. It's different than fucking uh, the specials. Anyway. Right. This is the sound that Sturgeon would become famous for, and Choking Victim was formed, I heard some say 92, some said 93, whatever, at this point in 2020, it's the same year. But you can't talk about Choking Victim without talking about C-Squat. I don't know what that means. Now, for anyone listening who's never rubbed elbows with filth people like we have, because, I mean, a lot of crust bands came through Daytona back in the day. We, we were surrounded by crusties. We, you know, some of our friends were borderline crusties and, and, uh, you know, they had the dogs with the bandanas on and, and running around the show. And, the, but then they were all about being about animal rights, which to me, I'm like, you know, your dog's ears are getting pulverized at this show. You fucking moron. But right. That's, that's, it's neither here I nor thought, there. I thought you, I thought you were going to say some of our, you said some of our friends were almost, I thought you said some of our friends were born crusty. And that would be the worst. Like they roll out with a backflap. Oh yeah, like like a a skin backflap. Yeah, like they have. <laughs> it just says it just says wah. But the A is a fucking anarchy. So. <laughs> like I said, some of our friends were crusty, but they weren't full on. Like I remember when Tragedy played Daytona, a great fucking band. But you could smell them like 50 feet away. I mean, these are people. We say crust punk. People may not know what that is. It's a specific, more abrasive type of punk rock. Some of the bands are really good. Fucking a lot of D-beat crust is really good. Like Wolf Brigade's fucking powerful. But it's it's more about like kind of an anti-mainstream lifestyle. And I guess not showering goes with that. But anyway. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. Um, so a squat, we're talking about C squat is an abandoned building that is occupied by homeless people, which I guess aren't homeless anymore because now they have this abandoned building. But see, the thing about squats is, is usually they are fixed up to a livable degree. And a lot of times they have plumbing and electricity because it's more, it's like a communal living space and you, you get like, you know, your, your different artisans, you know, like, oh, they know how to do wiring. They know how to do plumbing, blah, blah, blah. And in New York, uh, New York city where leftover crack and choking victim hailed from in the 1970s, this was a way of life for many of the early punks. Now, if we can't really do this justice here, but if you want to hear some harrowing stories of squat life, you got to read John Joseph, uh, his, the singer of the Cro-Mags, the only one that matters. Uh, his book, <laughs> Evolution of a Cro-Mag. And he's got a great YouTube channel where he cooks vegan food, too. He's like, you put the fucking cashews in there. Get the fuck out of here. Like, it's it's really funny. Yeah. Um. He So he has a ton of stories. And back then, squatters, you had to had to defend the building against cops, uh, riot police back then, street gangs, other squatters. A lot of those old school, uh, you know, New York hardcore dudes lived in squats. Most notably, John Joseph, Harley Flanagan, also the Cro-Mags. Roger Merritt and uh, or Murray, I always said Merritt uh, and Vinny Stigma of uh, Agnostic Front. Anyway, yeah, C Squat was this famous squat located on Avenue C in Alphabet City in Manhattan, and it's long been a home to musicians, artists, activists, all these people. And the building actually dates back to 1872, and the city has owned it since 1978. 
And the current crop of squatters who included our uh, our illustrious uh, crackheads here, they moved in 89, 90, and many of them now still live there and legally own it. Which <laughs> that's is crazy a, that's to me. quite a turn of events. Oh yeah. Now most of the bands in this episode and and probably our part 2 cuz we're almost at 45 minutes. <laughs> in this episode they resided and played shows at Sea Squat throughout the years along with the bands Nausea, Oz Rotten and the World Inferno Friendship Society. They even had a half pipe that they built from trash in the basement. <laughs> Actually, that sounds awesome. Now, I have a question for you in the middle of all this. Mm-hmm. Uh if a homeless person finds a living space or they own a building that they have been squatting in for 40 years or 30 years, I guess it would be now. Um, how do they identify? They identify as squatters. I know that, but like, do they have an existential crisis over not being homeless? <laughs> I mean, Scott Sturgeon probably did. He probably just sleeps outside in the fucking alleyway every now and again, just to, just to keep his homeless cred up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I could see that. So, the, you know, C-Squat, it's, it's kind of their launching pad. Now, I, I was actually in a place like this in Atlanta. It was a warehouse that a lot of people lived in, but it wasn't a squat. They, like, legally rented uh, from the landlord, and they fixed it up and had all these huge apartments in there, and then they had a place uh, where bands would play in the middle, like fucking Bane played there and shit. Total Recall wow. stayed there. It, it was really cool. It was air-conditioned. It had plumbing. It was fine. Anyway, uh, so Choking Victim. At a C-Squat, they had several different lineups, but the most frequent members were Scott Sturgeon on vocals and guitar, Squirt, S-Q-W-E-R-T, on drums and vocals, Alex Bailey from No Commercial Value, or Sasha Scatter at another time. They were both on bass, you know, when the other one wasn't, and then later on a guy named Ezra, you'll hear about, on guitar. Now, so I had a I had a hard time for a, for a minute with like the the nicknames and stuff, but then I realized if you go back to like all the old punk bands, like they all had nicknames too. Like, so at first I was like, uh, Squirt, uh, like Stizza, and it's like, okay, but you also had like Captain Sensible and Rat Scabies, and you had you know like <laughs> yeah. like all these people that had nicknames like Stiv Baiters, like all these people that had like these weird names in in the punk rock scene. So I guess it's not that weird. Yeah, man, Sid Vicious, Johnny Rotten. I mean, like they just they <laughs> nicknames used to be a thing. Seth Seth Ferocious. <laughs> oh, Seth Ferocious. <laughs> Let's dance. Wait, was it was it Bowie who called him that, or no? Was it that was else? that was that was Freddie Mercury. Oh fuck, Simon. And fuck, it's Simon Ferocious. Um, so that was basically the lineup. It changed a lot, but those are the main people. And the band was sound was more unique. It was a little more refined than no commercial value. A lot of melodic sing along tunes, a little bit of ska, a little, little bit of ska breaks. And then they had these abrasive metallic songs every now and again. The lyrical focus was still anti everything, pro crack heroin. And they were famous for their satanic imagery, just like we talked about with the album cover. They did a few releases, seven inches demos, but then they released the Crack Rock Steady EP in '94, the Squatters, Par- Squatters Paradise EP in '96, and then the debut full length No Gods No Managers in '98. The original pressing contained no barcode, as the band was staunchly anti-capitalist, and that begs the question: Why fucking sell the record at all? You know? Yeah. Hey, take this, take the barcode off. We're not a part of your world, but please buy our record. Like further pressings included a barcode, and you know y- you were able to buy it at Camelot in the mall. 
Okay, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And it came out on Hellcat Records, which was Tim Armstrong's vanity subsidiary. Tim Armstrong from Rancid, Hellcat's his label that's under Epitaph. Right, and, and I it's can... like known for getting punk bands like this or punk bands that are like like in that realm, getting them yeah. notoriety, getting those records out. I know, and and I just I can imagine Tim Armstrong like, "What do you mean now, barcode?" And I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure if Skinhead Rob from the Transplants were around, he would have just stuffed Scott Sturgeon in a locker, like, "Fuck this guy." Oh but yeah. What's funny about No Gods No Manager is this record that we grew up listening to. It was recorded in one day because oh shit, the band broke up on their first day in the studio. <laughs> <laughs> From the various interviews I read, it's like it sounds like everything drums, bass, scratch guitar was finished in, uh, in that day, and then Sturgeon went to L.A. to redo the vocals and guitars later on. Uh, and I can just imagine him just pitching a fit. Like, not shitty enough, Dad. I quit. So, <laughs> actually, that's not far off. No, nah, I, I don't think so. Now he went on to form Leftover Crack and Squirt, and Ezra started a band called Indecay. But we'll get to them in a minute. And Ezra was also in Leftover Crack, among other groups, among other crack groups. But as far <laughs> as Choking Victim goes, they reunited in November of 2000, late 2005, and in 2006 they toured the Dominican Republic, and they've done a few more one-offs until 2017 when they went on tour. Now, it's, it's this juggling of members and this back and forth between bands that sound exactly the same, just maybe a little more refined, and it can be a little confusing. So Sturgeon, Choking Victim, and Leftover Crack, they're basically interchangeable at this point. So Now, so one thing I want to do before we go into Leftover Crack specifically is I want to share some of my favorite lyrics from Choking Victim. Okay. Okay. So uh, I always liked the chorus to the song Crack Rock Steady because it is super catchy. Yeah. It's like, I mean, you, you're you like, all right, this is good. But uh, the, the chorus goes like this. Crack Rock Steady, are you ready to rock? The Rotten Blue Menace, let's go kill us a cop. Crack Rock Steady, are you ready? Living above the law. <laughs> now, I love yeah. I love that because it is so just on the nose. Like, I don't know how to describe other than on the nose. And so that's that's one of them. Another one is the song 500 Channels, which you mentioned before. Uh, the chorus of that goes, uh, And when there is no hope, I'll smoke some crack, I'll shoot some dope. When there's no enemies, I sit and stare at my TV. And in my ignorance, I'll be a slave and sycophant. So it's like, so so the anarchist lifestyle, like if I don't have any enemies, if I don't have anybody to fight, I'll just watch TV, which is not in line with any of their beliefs. I don't know. I just, I always love that, but that song fucking rules. And I, that band is just absurd. Yeah. Um, I would say one of my favorites is, uh, the song suicide, uh, in parentheses, a better way. <laughs> yeah. Yep. 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 Um, it, <laughs> there is no better death than suicide is one of the lines. <laughs> you gotta wonder, like, Maybe you wouldn't want to kill yourself so bad if you just, you know, you don't have to love everything that's done in society, but, you know, just maybe get a job, you know, maybe get a place to live. It takes a lot of stress out of your life. It adds stress, but it takes away a lot of unnecessary stress. So Yeah, exactly. Um, also, Fucked Reality is one of my favorites as well. Uh, I am a loser. I am Satan. I am Jesus Christ. I'm me. There are no winners in this fucked reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, 
So you can tell with where that, I mean, that's like it's profound. But with that, Choking Victim has broken up, and so <laughs> we get this band leftover crack. So we were gonna do it all in one episode, but as has been happening recently, we've been deciding like let's cut it short. You know, not cram everything into two hours. So by the end of it, we're all fucking falling asleep. So that's the basically the first half of this timeline. Choking victim, no commercial value. We've introduced Scott Sturgeon. I, you know, we'll we'll put a link to the playlist that we're now going to make in the in the show notes, and we'll include the bands we haven't talked about yet. So maybe if you listen to it next time we come back, you'll know what we're talking about. Oh yeah, um, we have to come up with a name for this playlist, by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, some uh, something about scabies. I don't know. So. On the next, like, we'll, we're going to do our uh, one and one or five next week. And then the very next week, we will be doing the second half of Leftover Crack. And we will be covering Leftover Crack. We'll be covering the star fucking hipsters and all the rest of these filthy fucking degenerates. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, like I said, like, they're they're one of those bands. It's just, it's just kind of fun to talk about because they are, they feel like, um, they feel like the poster boys for this subculture of punk rock that is very gross. <laughs> and if you're going to dig into the, like that that genre of punk rock, it's really interesting to kind of see that there is this like weird subgenre of like squatters that kind of basically they travel with their instruments because they probably stole their instruments or they made them out of cigar boxes and then <laughs> they get to record these albums and break up on the same day and stuff. So, uh, you know, it's yeah. just it's just a weird little microcosm of punk rock that exists that I think it's fun to highlight, but yeah, it's just crack rock steady, man. Yeah, it's it's gross, dude. It's uh, you know, it's just funny what twenty years will do to your ears. <laughs> you go back and you're like, God, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> yeah, and but then you listen to fucked reality and you're like, Ah, oh, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's it's you gotta you gotta separate yourself from it. It's what I do when I listen to Biohazard. Yeah, that's or when I listen to R. Kelly. <laughs> yeah. Dude, one day we're gonna do a we're gonna do a deep dive on R. Kelly's trapped in the closet. Oh God. You know, I watched the whole first season of Surviving R. Kelly. It was upsetting. And it yeah, was he's almost as upsetting. Uh, it was it was equally as upsetting as Leaving Neverland, which I watched them back to back and I was like, oh, God. Yeah, that's. I don't know why you would do that to yourself. I don't know, man. I didn't realize how intense Leaving Neverland was. And they get to the part where he's like staring at buttholes. I'm like, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing, Michael? Ugh. I, I didn't see that, so I don't know what that means. Yeah, well, he's fucking dead. So, anyway. Right. <laughs> so, uh, well, I mean, with that being said, I think we could probably just do our normal spiel at the end of this shit, right? Wrap it up. All right. So, um, we don't have an explain this band this week because we feel like we're explaining this band. So, <laughs> we're so going to skip that. So, yeah. so much. Uh, one thing I do want to say is that on our Instagram, we are posting uh, an album of the day every day now. Uh, just kind of like, uh, especially with everybody being in quarantine, we think it's kind of fun to to talk about that. Right now, we posted up four different ones. Uh, by the time you get this, there will be probably another like six or eight. Um, and it's just more so just for people to discover new music and, and listen to records that have probably influenced us or, or that we like. Um, especially stuff that we're listening to right now. Because uh, it doesn't really fit into the forgotten freshness or the right profile uh segments that we do so um so that's why we kind of started doing that but uh right now we've got three shane picks and one mikey pick so yes, i'm catching up I, i'll give you another one uh tomorrow 
yeah, it'll be good. So, uh, so anyway, check those out. They're just fun records. They're fun to listen to, and, and we do enjoy them. So, um, the books uh, are on their way. Mikey has finally gotten his proof ready to go, so that's yeah. on the way out. Uh, my proof is going to be here any day now, and I'm really excited about that. So uh, we will be shipping those as soon as we get all that sorted out and we get those proofs in our hands. So uh, we'll be getting those out to everybody. So we're really stoked about that. Yes, very excited. So, so excited. Um, all right. So then the next thing is uh, shout out to our Patreons. Patreon! Matthew Fisher, Amelia Andrews, Kate Neal, Laura Crosby, Sam Parnum, and Michael Osborne, and his new baby girl. Yeah! So you read them backwards this week. I see what you did. Yeah, so spicing it up a little bit. Variety is the spice of life. So, so thank you all for your support, your ongoing support, even in this crazy, crazy time. Uh, we do appreciate it, and every little bit does help. So if you want to be a Patreon, they get cool benefits, like uh, Mike Osborne picked the picked this, uh, explained this band, which was Suicidal Tendencies, uh, and got an individualized roast from Riley. And we are working on some of the other stuff from everybody else, too. So uh, those are coming out. Uh, and also, there's going to be a Bad Brains deep dive that we're going to get into uh, at some point in time, thanks to Mike Osborne. Oh hell yeah! Yeah, so so much weed. Now I I got I I got I. So, if you want to find us or contact us uh, on social media, uh, you can find us on I don't want to hear it podcast on Instagram. Uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter at IDWHI podcast. You can find us on Facebook at I don't want to hear it podcast. You can email us at oldpunksvstheworld at gmail dot com. Uh, give us some feedback if you can rate our episode. Uh, or episodes, or podcast in general. Give us some feedback. We're totally good with that. We'll even read listener mail onto the uh, onto the po- the podcast at some point in time if anybody would ever email us. But nobody ever emails us because I guess maybe that's a dead format. Um, I'm not sure, but. Either way, you know, rate, share, do all that stuff uh, because that does help kind of get the word out. And as things are kind of growing and expanding, uh, the more ears on this, the better. Yep, and if you go to our website, I don't want to hear podcast.com, click the link it came from the beach to listen to all of our old bands that I would hazard to say are better than Choking Victim. But Ye- most of them. Yeah, most of them. So, uh, that's going to do it for us this week. And uh, we hope everybody is staying healthy out there. Stop buying all the fucking toilet paper. Uh, Doom Eternal is sick. And uh, we're going to be back next week with another one and one R5. So until then, annihilate this week. And good night, Taco Bell Joe, wherever you are. <laughs> Listening to Chucky Victim and the fact that it's called No Gods, No Managers, like, Taco Bell Joe would be so bummed. Aw, oh, buddy, that's, that's really aggressive, buddy. I can't do this without a manager, buddy. <laughs> Joe, you're the manager. Oh. Oh, okay, buddy. You've been the manager the whole time. He's been giving himself the Employee of the Month award every <laughs> every month because he's been the manager. 